Dog Works Radio is sponsored by Alaska Dog Works. Check out their website at alaskadogworks.com. Here's to the great American dog trainers out there. The hundreds of you who settled for the sometimes thankless job of working with four-legged companions because they pay the bills. Of course, there's something else you can do if you've got something to say. Start a podcast with First Paw Media and unleash your creative freedom. Maybe even earn enough money to tell yourself, hey, I'm no puppy wrangler. I'm a rover. I'm a trailbreaker. I'm an adventurer. Visit firstpaw.media. Wag on over today. You can support this podcast on patreon.com forward slash firstpawmedia. Hey guys, Michelle here. Did you know that we do another podcast called Mushing, which is all about dog-powered sports? This week on the podcast, we did an episode on the history of military working dogs. And today, I wanted to share that show with you. If you find that you like it, even though it is much different than what we talk about here on DogWorks Radio, please consider subscribing to Mushing wherever you get your podcasts and even share it with a friend or family member. Now, on to the show. Did you know that sled dogs played a pivotal role in World War II? And today we are going to learn the fascinating history of these dogs and how it was not long after the war that organizations such as the Alaska Dog Mushers Association and Alaskan Sled Dog and Racing Association were established. At the same time, races such as the North American Championship Sled Dog Derby and the Fur Rondi Open World Championship Sled Dog Race were started. It was into this world of dogs and racing that enlisted airborne instructor and World War II veteran Joe Reddington Sr., father of the Iditarod, arrived in Alaska in 1948. Here we go. From First Paw Media, sponsored by Alaska Dog Works Professional Canine Training Center in Anchorage, Alaska. This is Dog Works Radio, committed to families and their dogs to build lifelong and fulfilling relationships. Visit our website at dogworksradio.com. Now, here are your hosts, Robert and Michelle Forto. Portions of this episode comes from The History of Military Sled Dogs in Alaska by Jack Wade, 354th Fighter Wing Historian. On October 28, 2013, at Lackland Air Force Base, Texas, a monument was dedicated to military working dog teams, specifically recognizing the sacrifices of dogs in combat, a tribute to the military working dog and their handlers. The military dog conjures up images of the Doberman on the sands of Iajima or the Belgian Malinois as seen on many military installations today. It most certainly brings to mind the many images of the military working dog teams currently engaged in missions in the Middle East. The importance of the monument at Lackland cannot be understated. It is a memorable reminder, a picture speaking on multitude of words 
its description of military working dog teams is relevant today, even here in Alaska. In the not-so-distant past, Alaska boasted the only military working dogs in the whole of the U.S. military. In his book, War Dogs, author Michael Lemish shares that at the beginning of World War II, there were only about 50 military working dogs, and they were all sled dogs in Alaska. The use of dogs in Alaska is not a new concept. Author David Anderson said in Interior Alaska, the history of dog team use can be traced to the contact period 150 years ago and before. He goes on to say dogs were used for a multitude of activities, including military applications such as exploration, accomplished primarily by the Army. As a lieutenant in the Army, the late Major General Joseph Kastner explored the interior of Alaska. During his 1898 through 1899 exploration missions, he used dog teams and sleds as he explored from the Cook Inlet region to the areas around North Pole and Fairbanks, prior to heading up the Yukon River to Fort Yukon. During the time of the Alaskan gold rush of the 1890s, Army Signal Corps officer, then Lieutenant William Mitchell, arrived in Alaska. Between 1901 and 1905, he was directed to connect Alaska by telegraph, of which previous work had been hampered by the Alaskan interior winters. Mitchell believed he could work year-round while erecting the Washington-Alaska military cable and telegraph system, and the big proponent of his success would come by using dogs. Thus, he sought out local dog experts who taught him the fine art of mushing. He used his newfound skills and knowledge acquired to purchase 80 dogs along with harnesses and sleds for the government. With these dogs and equipment, hundreds of miles were traversed to complete the WAMCATS within two years, well ahead of Mitchell's five-year schedule. As time passed, the renown of the variety of Alaskan sled and pack dogs became well known throughout the world, and their importance would become cemented in the history of the military. During World War I, the French government asked Alaska's Darling Kennels and Alaskan Scotty Allen, All-Alaska Sweepstakes winner of the 1909, 1911, and 1912 races, to provide and train Alaskan sled dogs and sleds for the French war effort. 106 dogs were provided from Alaska and eventually found their way to France. While in France, these dogs provided invaluable service. They opened mountainous supply routes and communication between units in the field and headquarters not previously accessible. Their actions were so important that in his book, Soldiers and Sled Dogs, Charles L. Dean wrote, Three Alaskan sled dogs in French service were awarded the Croix de Guerre, France's highest military honors for actions in combat. 
It was not long after the end of World War I that the nation was again drawn into another world war. At the beginning of World War II, the only military working dogs in the whole of the U.S. military were being utilized by Navy and Army forces in Alaska. After the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, there was a real need to increase the number of military personnel in the Alaskan Territory. Governor Ernest Grunning, Alaska Territorial Governor at the time, asked for military support and a plan was derived to create a Territorial Guard. Thus, the Alaska Territorial Guard was formed by Major Marvin Muktuk Marston, an Army Corps officer. Marston, along with Grunning, agreed to use the Alaskan native population to form this guard, being predominantly comprised of Alaskan Native Americans spread out from the Aleutians, the interior and coastal areas of Alaska. A form of transportation was needed so Marston could make contact with potential members. I'm going to take a short break here. I'll be right back. Are you a fan of the great outdoors? Do you enjoy the thrill of speed and adventure? Then listen up. Introducing Mushing, your ultimate guide to the exciting world of dog-powered sports and mushing. Whether you're a seasoned musher or just starting out, Mushing has got you covered. Get ready to immerse yourself in captivating stories of incredible sled dog races, expert training tips from seasoned professionals, and gear reviews to help you make the right choices for your team. From the breathtaking landscapes of Alaska to the snowy trails of Scandinavia, Mushing takes you on a thrilling journey through the world of dog-powered sports. Don't miss out on the latest issue packed with exclusive interviews with top mushers, in-depth articles on sled dog nutrition, and stunning photography that will transport you to the heart of the action. So whether you're dreaming of competing in the Iditarod or simply want to learn more about this incredible sport, Mushing is your go-to resource. Subscribe now and get ready to unleash your passion for mushing. Visit our website at mushing.com or find us on your favorite podcast platform. Mushing, where the spirit of adventure meets the power of the pack. The ATG members put hundreds of miles behind them as they used dog teams and sleds over tundra, through woods and mountain passes. These teams not only scouted, but also transferred munitions, firearms and other supplies to remote areas. For his efforts, Marston was recognized as an inductee in the Mushing Hall of Fame in Kinnick, Alaska. One of the more colorful joint native and white Alaskan units to come out of World War II was Kastner's Cutthroats, officially the first Alaska Combat Intelligence Platoon, or Alaska Scouts. Led by Colonel Lawrence Kastner, Men of this special unit knew how to live off the land, and by the war's end, they traveled thousands of miles to gather intelligence. They did so by means of boat and submarine, on foot, and by U.S. Army-owned dog teams and sleds. Search and rescue teams were also operated throughout Alaska during World War II, often used to locate and retrieve downed pilots. At Ladd Field, later Ladd Air Force Base, experienced Alaskan dog handlers in the Army were brought in to help train and create policies on dog care and use in the field. 
It goes without saying that during the entirety of World War II, dog sled racing was severely interrupted. However, it was not long after the war that dog sled racing came back full swing to Alaska. It was not long after World War II that organizations such as the Alaska Dog Mushers Association and Alaskan Sled Dog and Racing Association were established. At the same time, races such as the North American Championship Sled Dog Derby and the Fur Rondi Open World Championship Sled Dog Race were started. It was into this world of dogs and racing that enlisted airborne instructor and World War II veteran Joe Reddington Sr., father of the Iditarod, arrived in Alaska in 1948. Shortly after his arrival, Reddington was able to secure a government contract and served with the 5039th Maintenance and Supply Group from 1949 to 1957. He, along with other dog team drivers such as Sergeant Eldon Bush and Tech Sergeant Bud Nesji, took dog teams out to aircraft crash sites to help recover personnel and aircraft. Also, members of a U.S. Air Force Intelligence Unit trained with Reddington as it was believed familiarization on the use of dogs and sleds may be needed in the future by the USAF Intelligence Corps. In 1966, another big organization-sponsored team took center stage. The U.S. Army Alaska Modern Winter Biathlon Training Center dog team from Fort Richardson. At the team's head, though, low in rank, was Private First Class Joe Reddington Jr. Reddington Jr. was enlisted specifically by the Army to race dogs in Alaska. They came to me and told me I was going to be drafted and then offered to enlist me and bring me back to Alaska to race for the Army on a two-year enlistment, he said. Reddington Jr., along with Sergeant First Class James Van Houten, Specialist 5 Larry Gibson, and Private First Class Johnny Armstrong, raced and trained the dogs Reddington Jr. competed with in 1966. That year, Reddington Jr. won the coveted Ferrandi Trophy, bringing it back to Alaska after many years of being won by Dr. Roland Lombard from Wyland, Massachusetts. With things heating up in Vietnam, the military sled dog racing programs in Alaska were effectively disbanded. Reddington Jr. was discharged and permitted to purchase a few of his previous military dogs and returned to civilian life which would be the final curtain for the use of Alaskan military sled dogs in Alaska. Whether it is pack dogs, sled dogs, sentry dogs, airborne dogs, or search and rescue dogs, the heritage of the Alaskan war dog is still seen today, specifically in the military working dog teams scattered throughout the state of Alaska at multiple military installations, our very own Eilson included. We'll be right back. Do you eat enough fruits and vegetables? Green Infusion by Wilderness Athlete can help. So what is Green Infusion? It's a blend of super greens, super fruits, vegetable extracts, herbs, and probiotics, and delivers a broad spectrum of nutrients that provides a gentle alkalinizing and cleansing effect to the body while reinforcing proper digestive function and restoring healthful intestinal microflora. 
Just one scoop a day of green infusion is six servings of fruits and vegetables. Learn more at WildernessAthlete.com and use DogWorks for 10% off your order today. That is WildernessAthlete.com and use DogWorks at checkout. Reddington is thought to have had a strong association with the 10th Air Rescue Squadron. The 10th ARS used dog teams as part of search and rescue operations in Alaska and had jump qualified dogs, which had to have five jumps to wear jump wings assigned to the unit. The history of the 10th ARS is today maintained by the 200th Rescue Squadron of the Alaska Air National Guard. In the 60s, the helicopter continued to become more technologically advanced and could reach places where only dogs could go before. The need for military dogs was beginning to fade, but not before the military found other uses for Alaskan war dogs. Though fading, there was still a need as dogs were being studied at the Aero Medical Laboratory at Fort Wainwright in an effort to understand the effects cold had on humans. From the lab emerged Master Sergeant Walter Millard. Similar to Reddington, Millard was jump qualified and a World War II veteran. After the war and a short break in service, Millard became a part of the Air Rescue Service and made over 250 jumps throughout his service in the military and many times was sled and dogs on rescue mission. Millard was the first known Air Force participant in sled dog racing in the Fairbanks area. In March of 1963, he competed with Huskies owned by the Aero Medical Laboratory in the preliminary heats for the North American Sled Dog Derby. Later, his Air Force team was invited to participate in the 1964 annual 10-mile Jeff Stuttered Invitational Race. So what do you guys think? Did you learn something from today's podcast? If you like this content, please consider subscribing to Mushing Plus over at mushing.com. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. I hope that you found it interesting. I'm Michelle Forto for First Paw Media and DogWorks Radio. From First Paw Media, this is DogWorks Radio. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, and we invite you to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe, too. Your hosts are Robert and Michelle Forto. Our producer is Robert Forto and created for First Paw Media. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. 
For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners, also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200.